Welcome to Rising from the Ruins, the empowering podcast for Christian women on a journey of healing after abuse and divorce. Join us as we navigate the complexities of rebuilding our lives, restoring our faith, and rediscovering our true selves. Through inspiring stories, expert insights, and biblical guidance, we'll embark on a transformative path towards reclaiming our strength, finding hope, and embracing a future filled with joy, purpose, and renewed spiritual connection. It's time to rise above the ashes and step into a life of healing, empowerment, and divine love. Let's journey together towards a brighter tomorrow. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast, A Journey Back to You. Um, Today I have on guest Dr. Paula Swindle. Um, She has over 23 years of experience as a licensed clinical mental health counselor and an associate professor of counseling. Her specialty is in understanding and treating religious harm or religious trauma. Her private practice is also called the Center for Healing Religious Harm, and she co-hosts Sacred Intersections. Welcome to the podcast today, Dr. Paula Swindle. Oh, thank you so much, Paulina. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on this show. Um, We had a little chat before today, and we were talking about the fact that this podcast is supposed to help women who have gone through abuse and divorce. And so we'll be looking at various um, areas as we go on in the journey. Um, But for today, our topic is going to be when faith gets weaponized. And you have done extensive work on um, religious trauma. And so I guess we can just start the whole show with you just telling us what drove your desire to do this kind of work. Yes. Um, I'm so glad that you are doing this podcast and sharing your story and doing this kind of work. These conversations are so important and your voice in the just the, the, the spirit from our conversation that we talked about is, um, is your voice is really important to have out there. So I know that you're helping a lot of people with this. So, um, so yeah, when I heard the topic, it sounded right up my alley from a lot of different areas of my life, both professionally and personally. So, you know, you mentioned a lot of the professional things in the introduction. I am a licensed counselor. And so that's probably really kind of where my journey starts. I'll try to give you the really short version of it. Sure. But um, but when I got my master's degree in counseling many years ago, I um, the, the field of counseling was starting to have some conversations about how to ethically incorporate spirituality into counseling and to allow clients to talk about their spirituality if that's important for them. And what I discovered as a counselor is that when clients have really good experiences with their faith and with religion and religious systems, it's pretty easy to incorporate into counseling. But I was also hearing from people who had had a lot of really difficult experiences with, especially um, I'm in the South. So Christian churches is the main um, religion that I've seen stuff like this happen with. Um, So, um, so as a Christian myself, 
I realized when I would hear these negative experiences, I would want to say, oh, wait, that's not how God is, or that's not how all Christians are. But in my role as a counselor, that's not my place to do, to, to impose my own faith or my own values. So, um, so really just providing space. But I just felt like I'd not really been trained with how to deal with people who had had this really negative experiences. So later when I went back to get my PhD so that I could train new counselors, which is my main job now is I'm a, um, an associate professor in a counseling program training new counselors, I chose to do my dissertation on the topic of religious abuse so that we could start helping counselors understand how to help people who had experienced harm in religious systems. And so um, so my dissertation was trying to even start the conversation of what's the experience of religious abuse. And I kept it very broad. Um, but when people chose to participate in my study, um, all of them were women, and many of them had experiences similar to yours, Paulina, where they had had experiences with abusive husbands. Not all of the ones in my study, but many of them had had experience, negative um, and abusive experiences with their husband. And theology had been used as a justification for that abuse. The church had really um, been harmful to these women in trying to get them to stay in marriages that were... Um, physically threatening and horrific in so many ways. Um, and so, so not just more broadly religious abuse, but also um, specifically the topic that you're talking about was a large part of my dissertation study. And so, so that's still the research that I do is on the topic of religious harm when um, religion, the power that comes with the sacred is used in a harmful way to people. Um, so I'm doing that to help counselors to, for part of my research as an academic, but then I also have a very small private practice where I focus on religious harm, religious trauma, and um, really want to help clients and students. Um, and this is, and you also mentioned the podcast. This is the last thing I'll say on my journey, but I always, you know, I have lots of different roles and what's appropriate for me to do in these roles is different. My role as a counselor, as I said, I'm not someone who's going to impose my own religious right. views, but personally, you know, my life is very grounded in my faith and that's been a journey <laughs> for sure. But, um, but my podcast, I co-host with my pastor, whose name is Jill Izola. And part of our hope in that is to provide a different narrative to the harmful things um, about Christianity that are out there quite a bit. Mm. So, um, so there is kind of a personal drive on my end when people talk about faith and Christianity, and I feel like are using it in a harmful way. Mm. I want to address that, but I also want to help people heal right. whatever their experiences and whatever they want their connection to organized religion or not. To right. Be. That is so good. And um, we seem to be driven by the same passion, even though we're coming at it from different directions. And I am really grateful that I feel I feel God on your calling and I can see that you're passionate about it because um, I've spoken with women who have lost their faith because of how the church treated them. And I think over the years, I've seen some churches, I'm not going to say all churches, um, but I know a large extent of them still don't understand the concept of abuse or maybe they just want to um, just hide on the or this is what God says, and then they just take it out of context. And so at the end of the day, these women feel betrayed. 
Um, and I'm not knocking the possibility that men may also have had those experiences, but because the churches, a lot of churches are set up in such a way that it feels like women are supposed to be subservient. And so the, these incidences would happen more with women than with men. And so in your private practice, I know because you've done this extensively as a, as a study, I can imagine that you have a large statistics of people who've walked this path. But in your private practice, how often do you see people have these experiences um, thrown at them that they have difficulty navigating? Yeah, so all of that, if I could just address a few different things that you said in that, Paulina, because you use the word betrayal, which is was actually one of the themes that came out of my research study that people experienced when they experience religious harm um, is feeling betrayed. And that betrayal comes from a lot of different places. Of course, it comes from the person doing the abusing, but it also comes from the pastor. It comes from the church group that they thought were their friends and that they thought were trying to help them. A lot of people feel betrayed by God. Right. And so, um, so that betrayal can happen on so many different levels and create a lot of mental health issues, existential issues, spiritual issues for sure. So that's a powerful word and really important in understanding this. And yes, I'm also glad you, you, mentioned that we're talking mainly about women who've experienced abuse from men. I realize that's a really heteronormative normative way to discuss this topic. And of course, abuse can happen in any relationship and certainly want to name that. Um, and But today we are focusing on women who've been abused by men, wives by husband generally. And it is, and I think that often happens in the church system, because so many churches are set up in a very patriarchal way that does have this expectation of women being less than and um, being expected to be submissive is that main verse that you hear used right. quite a bit that women are, are to be submissive. And I think that really gets twisted. My, my dissertation was titled A Twisting of the Sacred because um, the sacred is is used, the sacred is just an example of how things that were, I think, intended for good just get twisted because of the power and control that can come from it. So, but to get back to, I think what your original question was, you know, how often do I see it? Um, I mean, any is, is too much, but way too much. I, my private practice is a very small private practice on the side of, of the teaching that I do, but I hear these stories all the time. I hear these stories and we see it in the news. We're hearing it. I don't know if you've seen um, the Duggar documentary no, that no. has just come out no. about the Duggar family. No. You know, that's, I would just encourage your listeners to watch. It's a four part series on Amazon prime about kind of exposing um, the Duggars, but that whole, um, a lot of just systems that create, um, this setup where women are considered less than and are not given autonomy over their own choices and their own, sometimes even their own bodies. So, um, so it, it is unfortunately very, very common. Hmm. And that's so sad because um, like you, I've also talked to a number of women and um, it's just so sad. 
is just so sad because it's interesting when I look at people who do not even know God seem to have more compassion towards people who are suffering and in abuse. And I feel very strongly that that's not the God, the God we serve. And that's not what God has called us to do. But you mentioned something about submission. I use the word subservient because sometimes mm. when they use the word submission, it's actually subservience. Because mm. um, I would want to hear your opinion about um, submission as opposed to subservience, which I am using because I know I've had to talk to my spouse. Then I said, I feel like I'm supposed to be subservient to you. I feel like I'm not supposed to have a voice. So um, are you able to throw some light on submission? Like um, what God says it should be, because I know the way people interpret it is already out of context, as opposed to I thinking is subservience that a lot of men expect from their wives. So I, I love that you're, that you've thought so intentionally about that and how it's presented and how those words, you know, we, the title of this episode, I think, is like when faith gets weaponized. And so, you know, that's a great example of how scripture can get weaponized and how getting down to even specific words, vocabulary can be weaponized. So I would say that I would do a disclaimer that I'm not a theologian, you know, well-versed in the, um, I've spent a lot of time in church, <laughs> a lot of time in scripture, but when it comes to the nuances of submission versus subservient, I, I, I'm, I think it all depends on someone's interpretation of that. And if there is a difference there, my experience has been that they're often used, both words can be used interchangeably. And basically what they're both the message they're sending both from the abuser and from the church is often that, as you said, you don't get a voice. Uh -huh. Your opinion doesn't matter. What I say is what um, needs to happen. And you don't get to question that. You know, you don't like not even that you don't get a choice in whether you do it or not, but you don't even get to ask a question about it because of the power and control that comes with that word. And so it's really interesting um, the way a lot of gender roles are, I think, twisted yeah. <laughs> in Christianity so often. And one of the th favorite things that I've heard a pastor say is that scripture, when we interpret scripture to think of specific things that were said as some things were meant for that time and some things were meant for all time. And some things were written specifically to a specific person in a specific context. And that doesn't mean that we can't learn from that and we can't, um, you know, hear a word from God through that. But we also need to be really careful in applying everything literally to our lives today. Um, because if, if you do that, there's, I can hear, I can, I'm sorry, I'm hearing my pastor's voice and I'm hoping I'm getting it right and I'm not disappointing her <laughs> as, as I, what I say with this. But, you know, it, if you read every single scripture, literally, you are going to find some things that contradict themselves. And that for some people is very difficult, but, you know, there's no getting around that. Yes, there is a phrase that says wives submit to your husbands as uh -huh. the church submits to 
Jesus Christ. And then there's also a, a verse that very clearly says there is neither Greek nor Jew. There is neither man nor woman. You know, all are equal yeah, in the eyes God. of God. Something to that extent. Uh-huh. I'm sure somebody is cringing because I didn't quote exactly. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but, you know, but those things, you know, seem to be at odds with each other. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, if you look at the way Jesus treated women, if you look at the ways that Jesus um, amplified their voices, even to the point where um, I'm assuming most of your listeners are people of faith or at least people aware of. So, Uh but I don't know how some people may not be familiar, but I love to, to share the interpretation that a woman was the first missionary because, you know, the first person to see Jesus after right. he had risen, after he was resurrected, was a woman uh-huh. who went out and told people. Right. So, um, so I just think that Jesus's whole ministry was looking at the rules. And one of the things that came up in my dissertation was this theme of rules being more important than people right. or rules being more important than a relationship. And so I think what you were describing earlier is exactly what is happening is that, that Jesus came to be like, I'm here for people. I'm not here because of rules. There are rules that help you live better and make your life better, Uh but they're not meant to be restrictive. You know, if you look at Jesus's ministry, the rule is, I guess the technical rule would be don't heal on the Sabbath, uh-huh. but that comes from the idea of Sabbath being a rest, which is good for us as humans. It was not meant to be restrictive and to keep us from seeing a human who needs help. Right. So Jesus healed on the Sabbath, uh-huh. you know, because the human was more important than the rule right. not to heal on the Sabbath. Uh-huh. So these churches that just get so ground into the, the rule is that you can't divorce. And no matter what, and that's so damaging. One of the the people in my study, I I will never forget this phrase as long as I live. She said, if I had followed the rules of my church, I would be dead. She said, I could, I could get a divorce or I could follow the rules of my church, but I could not do both. Like that was, and if I had done that, I literally would not be alive. Now the rules of the church were trying to kill me. Mm. And that's, I just don't think that's God's plan. I, I say that as a Christian and I say that just as a human. Yeah, I think I think I agree very strongly on that too. And I use very strongly intentionally that just like you pointed out, or before I go on that, while we're talking about missionaries, the woman at the well too was another missionary. So yes, so we can actually absolutely. point to certain things. And um I think the the way people have also like you pointed out, upholding rules above humans have also um, had its own impact on how people see Christianity as as a faith thing. Because I was reading a comment by somebody the other day and he's like, this your Jesus thing is becoming toxic. It's not the Jesus mm. thing that is becoming toxic. It's people taking it out of context when it suits them. And when it just like, you know, um, like it's, it's just crazy out there. But one of the things I also experienced as far as religious harm was, was I got us into counseling at some point. Because like at mm. this point, I'm 12 years in. I've lost my memory. I've lost my hearing. I'm struggling with very terrible depression. I cannot even smile. 
Mm-hmm. And all this mm-hmm. while, I cannot talk to anybody in church because, I mean, we're dealing with two different people. The person behind mm-hmm. closed doors is different from the one people see. And I totally get it. I think it was easy for me to forgive people who treated me harshly because they mm-hmm. didn't understand the person we were dealing yeah. with. And so I had people through. So, so we were in the counseling and the counselors, um, the, the male it was a couple and the male was saying things like um, a wise woman builds her own home and a foolish woman plucketh it down with her own hands. And now I am there just bawling my eyes out because I'm thinking, do you guys even get what I'm trying to say? You don't lose your memory in comfort, in joy, in peace. You don't lose your hearing in joy, in peace. I'm struggling with anxiety. I know it's difficult for people to see it, but I had so much anxiety. I was having panic attacks and all of those things. And so to hear somebody who I cried out to help me throw those yeah. scriptures at me, say things like God hates divorce. How about the part that talks about God hating men who deal treacherously with their wives? How about those parts? So I, I had mm. people throw scriptures at me so much that I had to start asking them, please don't take the scripture out of context. How about this part of the same scripture? So um, in what ways, what are the common ways you have people you've talked with actually experience this religious harm? Maybe scriptures, is it the way they're told? Is it by specific words where their pastors actually tell them that they couldn't separate no matter what? Yes, all, all of that. Um for sure. And it's so interesting to me how, yes, you very clearly mentioned scripture that was not one they were using because the ones that they use and the ones they pull to use in context are the ones that give power and control. You know, that's, that's always so interesting to me. Um, and bef- I just wanted to ask Paulina, was that a pat, were those pastoral counselors or were those licensed counselors pastoral. that you saw? Pastoral pastoral. All right. So, and I would, I'm so sorry that happened. Like as a counselor, that is heartbreaking to me, but I just would love to just throw in this little, um, some pastors are very good counselors. Many pastors are not great counselors. (laughs) And if you have a pastor who is threatened by the idea of a licensed clinical mental health counselor, of a licensed clinical social worker, of someone like that, then that makes me kind of head tilt a little bit. Mm. You know, that would be a place I would question, why are they threatened by that? And why do they feel like the only kind of counseling that can be helpful is a pastoral counselor who has not necessarily been trained in trauma and abuse and all of those things. So so usually that's, I'm going to use the term power and control so many times because that's often what is being used, you know, theology, scripture, particular scripture, the system is being weaponized to help someone maintain power and control. Mm. Um, so, so I just would throw that out there, but, um, but yes, the, the, the idea that you would see one person in your relationship and then the church would see a different person, you know, that's very common And sadly, that is the abuser knows what they're doing with that. They know if they can get people to think 
no, what? No, that's not been my experience with that person or surely not that person. Um, it's very common for someone to say that wasn't my experience. So that couldn't have been your experience. So I would also just say, believe people, you know, err on the side of believing people. If a woman is speaking up, it probably was really hard for her to speak up and to to listen to someone because your experience of not being believed of what was happening in your own life, your own experience is so minimizing, you know, it's so demoralizing right. to have this experience and everyone else denies your experience. That just is another added trauma, um, another added way of experiencing that. Um, but yes, um, I've had clients and people in my research report that yes, pastors directly told them you do you cannot leave your marriage um if you leave your marriage you can never get married again you can never have kids you can't be a part of this fellowship any longer um church groups were told to break fellowship which if you're not familiar with that term basically means ostracize right. the person you're not allowed to talk to them i've had women tell me that people in their churches would turn the other way in the grocery store when they saw them, like could, could not even say hi to them because they had chosen to leave a marriage that was killing them. Literally, like that's not hyperbole, literally had potential to kill them or at least had put them in the hospital many times over, like was physically hurtful to them. I hear over and over and over again how the church or the pastors choose the abusive husband because he's the good one. And if you're only seeing audio, I have quotation marks <laughs> around. He's the good one because he wants to fix his marriage. Mm. And somehow him being willing to stay in an abusive marriage is seen as better than someone who wants to continue living or not, or just not be in an abusive, toxic marriage. Mm. So it's so, so harmful. And when you believe in God and you are being told by someone that God says this, and you're being told by someone who has religious authority to say that, it's so hard to hear your own voice and to right. trust your own voice uh -huh. in that. So abusers are experts at undermining trust in yourself and religious systems that undermine trust in yourself are also also breeding grounds for abuse as well yes and that is so true um i mean for a long time one of the reasons why i even denied my own reality was because i mean based off of how i walk as a as an imperfect Christian, I know we have the spirit of God inside of us. So when you do something wrong, you have this prompting in your spirit to say you did something wrong. So for the longest time, I couldn't reconcile abuse and Christianity in the same sentence. And so hmm. even when I began to find out my own experience and what you said about the woman who said she either had to follow the rules or or, or divorce. She couldn't do both. I also came to a point in my life where at this point I was having panic attacks so bad. Several times I almost called 911. That was how bad it was. And so I sat down and faced the reality of the fact that if I didn't get out, I was going to die. Yeah. And in the midst of it all, still not being able to share to somebody who will believe and air. I mean, like that's, that's one fantastic um, 
thing I want people to pick up if they didn't pick it from what you said, err on the side of believing that this person probably knows what she's talking about. I mean, if I, I know a lot of people cry wolf, especially because abuse is thrown around so much these days. But the thing it's actually very rare. Yes, it does happen, but it's very rare right. for someone to lie exactly. about being a victim. Exactly. Abuse. So, so here's the thing. If I haven't been crying for the past 12 years, I think at the point where I finally open up and be like, this is happening, I would have been more grateful if more people were just like, okay, let's actually look into this um, situation, which wasn't my own experience. So how would you advise a woman who is dealing with a different personality behind closed doors that is abusive and killing her and having difficulty sharing with people who know the person outside of the bedroom or outside of the home, mm -hmm. how do you advise them to navigate this? Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that how do they go about telling people, not, not people, not like broadcasting it, right? But telling somebody right. who will be able to help them get out of the situation they're in, or at least give them counsel for them to be able to yeah. start navigating. Is this a destructive relationship or is this a difficult relationship? Yeah. It's so hard. And, and Paulina, for you to have endured that for so long and to still find the strength to leave to walk away from that and to um get the the voice of the system that was trying to keep you in that abusive situation and the abuser out of your that's so hard it's so hard to have survived that and to walk away from that so um i'm just so glad you did i'm, Thank you. I'm so glad you did Thank and um you know, what you ask, how can people, how can women, especially in this situation, when they're not being believed, what can they do? I think that's right. kind of what you were asking. Yes. Um, and I also just want to say on that topic, just if you've experienced that, if you're listening to this, and you've experienced that, that's awful. That's not with the way it was supposed to be. And that was another layer of trauma because just being in an abuse, just being physically harmed one time in a relationship is traumatic and harmful. That being kind of the basis of a relationship or, or an ongoing thing in a relationship is horrible as well. But what I hear a lot from people is I went to my church or I went to my pastor and that was supposed to, again, I put question quotation marks around that was supposed to be a safe place. That was supposed to be a loving place. That was supposed to be a place that would help me. And instead I was rejected. I was told I was the problem. I was, you know, told to stay in this harmful situation that was going to kill me eventually. So this place, like, I mean, we think of our churches as sanctuaries. We right. use that term sanctuary and it became the exact opposite. And that's such a betrayal on so many levels. And abusers, as we said earlier, know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And one major tool of an abuser of any type, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, is to cut people off from their support. 
they're going to try to cut you off so that you can't reach out for help. Um, because again, if you're alone, it's easier to get you to not trust your own voice. It's easier to undermine your trust in yourself. If the only voice you're hearing is telling you you're not good enough, that you're the problem, that you caused this, that if you would only do better, that things would be different. And so, um, so it, so many, um, people who found themselves in that situation of being abused, especially physically abused in the way that you're describing, find it very hard to reach out just to begin with because they're so cut off and because that abuser, in this case, often the husband has such control over who they have access to. And so just speaking up at all takes great courage. And then to have a situation like this where you speak up and you're knocked down or told you're the problem makes it even worse. So I would say, first of all, being persistent. And if someone doesn't believe you, know that that's awful. And to keep talking, keep talking and keep um, trying to find support wherever you can. If there are friends or family who who you're not spending time with anymore because of that person, reach back out to them. Um, and that's why, you know, I tell people a lot, if they have a friend who they see in an abusive situation to do what you need to, to protect yourself and set boundaries as the friend of someone. But if you're able to, to try to be available to that person, even when the husband makes it really hard, because if they ever decide to leave, you want them to know that you're a safe place to go to. Mm. Um, so, so, but to also realize from an emotional standpoint, even if no one believes you, it still happened just because no one believes you yeah. doesn't mean it didn't happen. Doesn't mean that you're not important. Doesn't mean that your experience isn't valid and your story doesn't deserve to be held and you don't deserve and you deserve to be heard. So, um, so just, understand that as well. Um, but there's no one right answer because it's so hard. Many people do have to do what I think you did, Paulina, is not only leave the marriage, but leave that system, leave that religious system that right. was also abusive. Mm, right. Um, so um, I guess what somebody will sit, somebody who is listening to you will be asking will now be, what's God's take on abuse and divorce, mm -hmm. um, especially coming from um, these religious backgrounds where they just think, oh, you just have to work harder. You just have to love him better. And unfortunately, from my own experience, I had to face the reality as I was dying because it got to a point that I had no emotions left. I described myself as a dead woman walking. It was just my physical body. Mm. I could get from point A to B. I don't know how I get there. I don't, I don't see anything. You I don't like completely. You were so much trauma. You were dissociating. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So, so, um, so I guess my, my question is, um, I know you said you're not a, a theologian, but I see a woman who is not just experienced in counseling, but is experienced in God's ways. For the woman who is sitting back there and still wrestling with, maybe God hates divorce. Yes, maybe, mm. but but I'm dying here and I cannot stay here. Yet my my conscience won't let me walk away. What would you say to that woman? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, and 
I am going to answer it and I want to preface it with, I always use caution around people who claim to know exactly what God wants and exactly what God says, um, because God is so big and so mysterious. And so because I always say to use caution when someone says, God wants you to do uh -huh. this, um, you know, because that's so often used as a form of power and control that, that I want to use caution to not sound like I'm doing right. that, but the God, but speaking from my own faith and my own beliefs that the God that I worship and believe in and follow, um, loves us and wants us to feel safe and secure in life and wants us to not have to live in fear. I mean, the, the phrase do not fear is throughout scripture in so many places. Yeah. And the whole thing around abuse is using fear as a tactic to control someone. And so I, I continually hear that do not fear so that when someone is using fear and using God to create fear as a weapon, I can't imagine that is something God, God does not approve of that. And so, um, you know, I think back to, <coughs> excuse me, I think back to, you know, Jesus's time on earth and Jesus, then the ministry of Jesus, how the rules were used against him again and again and again, and ultimately was the reason he was crucified. And that Jesus came to see people, to have relationships and to get to, and to be with humanity and to experience life, you know, um, fully divine and fully human. And so, so I think that God loves us and the, that the rules were created for our benefit. But when they get twisted as a power and control that God, that is not God's plan for us. So I don't think God wants anyone to tolerate an abusive situation. I don't think God wants to use the idea that God hates divorce as an excuse for you staying in a marriage that's an abusive marriage. You know, I don't believe that's God's plan for anyone. And I think that you being safe um, is more important to God than this rule that is trying to create power and control. And interestingly, um, yeah, that's that's so good that you pointed that out. And I want I, I feel the same way, too, but I wanted it to come from somebody else um, so that if women still have doubts in their minds, they need to start mm -hmm. really thinking clearly if they have to. I mean, I, I feel that these are some of the situations that you know clearly that this is killing you and staying there. And it's unfortunate that a lot of women have died that way. It might not even be, I know, yes. I know firsthand how just, I mean, I used to think that if a guy lays his hand on me, then I'm out because I thought abuse was just physical. That's the one that can kill you. That's the one that can, but the emotional one and the psychological mm -hmm. one can just do so much damage yeah. too. And so, um, you're doing extensive work on, on training other counselors to be able to look differently in this direction. Um, how do you think the church can do better in, in supporting women in at least giving them the benefit of the doubt and maybe looking more into the complaints instead of, because I see I've, I've been to 
in my short time on earth, I've been to several churches and I find out again and again and again, they're usually very silent on, on the issues of abuse and, and all that. The mm. only thing they keep shouting about is the divorce part. But something mm. almost often, I'm not talking of people who say, oh, we just grew apart and they didn't think of other ways they could navigate the growing apart. I'm talking of people who were literally dying in their marriages. And so it's interesting that the churches, a lot of churches are very, very silent on it. Um, so what would you say? I'm, I'm glad you and your pastors uh, and your pastor, you're actually doing something like this, but is there a way we can actually get information out there a lot more um, to open the eyes of the church to awaken to this? Um, it's almost like a pandemic in the church. Abuse is like a pandemic in the church. And I don't think that's what it's supposed to be. So how will the church be able to rally around people who go through um, these kind of situations and, you know? Yeah, I, a large part of that is what you are doing, telling your story. And by telling your story, you make it more safe for other people to tell their story. So having conversations and bring this out into the light. So things kept in, in the darkness have a lot of power. And so by having these conversations, um, and I just would also say, this is to that question and the earlier, like if you have a pastor who is telling you, God wants you to stay in this marriage, God wants you to stay in this marriage where you were being physically hurt, run, run from that pastor. Like I can't imagine a pastor who knows God, who knows Jesus saying that mm. and believing that. If like I just want to say that very clearly, like that that we are taught that sometimes it's specific kinds of churches that have our breeding grounds for abuse don't allow questions. And so women who were taught that they're not allowed to question their pastor, I just would love for you to feel empowered to say, that is not the God that I know. And this is not something that I believe is right, what you're telling me. So to feel empowered to leave. Um, so for what we can do for churches. So there's, of course, so many different denominations, so many different types of churches. Um, but I think recognizing just in general, if the church you're going to, what is their view of women? How do they treat women in general? And that's often kind of a warning sign for if that's going to be a safe church or not. Mm. And that's, there's a lot of other things that can make a church unsafe in a lot of other ways, mm. but I think that's a good kind of basic starting point. If this is a church that has a view of women being less than in any way, um, is, is a church that probably just is better to just leave alone. <laughs> um, but I think mostly it's going to be conversations like these and, helping people to understand and helping women to feel empowered. But there's no good way. I do consultation work with churches where I, you know, will sometimes go into a church after they've had some type of incident of religious harm and help them assess if they handled it the right way or help them handle it, provide support for um, the congregation and for the remaining staff. But it, honestly, it's not, it's, 
usually churches who are already handling it pretty well, who are going to be willing to bring a consultant into that system mm-hmm. and willing to, to examine that system. It's because so many churches that are much more about power and control are not going to engage in that kind of self-examination and self-reflection. Yeah. So I don't know what we can do to force that mm. on those systems, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's, and that's really so sad. I spoke to a woman um, a couple of weeks ago and she was telling me how she just quit on faith. Like if this is the kind of God who would sit back, let people be abused. And I, I try to let people know that abuse is a sin of choice. It took me to understand that and how did I get to that point is realizing this person knows how to behave outside of the home, but inside of the uh, home, they behave that's differently. really important. Right. Yeah. And so for me, it became really clear that this is a, a sin of choice. Because if, if you sometimes we're, we're led to believe that abusers don't know what they're doing. But the fact that they can be, you can literally think these are dual personality actually sheds light on the fact that this person knows exactly what they're doing. And so um, when you, let's say maybe somebody is listening and is just hanging by a thread on their faith and reconciling how a loving God allows abuse, how a loving God um, creates people who actually enables these, these abusers or maybe somebody has really quit on faith and maybe just stumbles on this um, episode. And what would you say to that woman? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to address the point you make because it's so brilliant, Paulina, about how abusers show up one, one, and one way at home and one way outside of the home so often. And yes, I think that's so important to, to have, especially women in these situations, recognize if it's okay to treat you that way, why doesn't he treat you that way at church? Right. Why doesn't he treat you that way in the grocery store, you know, or even anywhere outside the home? Why is it only when you're alone or hidden? So that's a great question. Um, so what would I say to women? So I want to be clear, this is speaking from Christian Paula, you know, this is not something I would say in this direct way to, I wouldn't, I, I really, I, just in case anyone hears this from a client perspective, you know, it's not my job to influence clients in their faith. I have clients who have left their faith or their religious system altogether, and that's their choice. And I'm supportive of that. And I have many people who are deconstructing and reconstructing and finding ways and, and healthier systems to stay in. And, and I support them in that as well. Um, but from personal, from my personal thing, I... I believe God can handle questions. I believe God can handle our anger. I believe that it's okay to talk to God and say, how could you, how could you do this? How could I have, how could you have left, led me to this situation to begin with? Um, You know, I'm feel so betrayed by you. And I kind of think if we're talking to God, we're still, even if we're mad, we're still talking, (laughs) you know, that that's, that's what's important. So anyone who says that you can never be angry at God, I don't trust them. And I disagree with that. I think God can handle, God welcomes our questions. God knows um, our hearts and our emotions. And so it's okay for you to, to have those conversations with God while you're working this out. Um, 
I would say that if your faith has been important to you and that's something that you want to continue in, there are religious systems out there that would be supportive to you. They're harder to find. Um, I think American Christianity specifically, you know, um, oftentimes forgets Jesus, forgets, forgets a lot of Jesus. And I, you know, we've talked in our podcast, Jill and I, and, and sometimes with clients, I'll talk about the difference in religion and spirituality and how I think of religion as kind of the organization and the structure of something and spirituality is a connection to something greater than yourself. And sometimes those are practiced together. Sometimes you find a system and an organization where you can practice your spirituality. Sometimes spirituality is practiced outside of the church. Sometimes people just go to church and it's an organization and doesn't have a lot of spirituality there. So, um, so I think there's lots of ways to connect with God and that, that when we as humans have tried to put it into boxes of religions and denominations and sometimes individual churches, we get it wrong Mm -hmm. a lot. And um, so many of my clients will say, I'm mad at the church, but I'm not mad at God. They separate that out. Many of them will say it's all together and they really conflate them. Mm. So, um, so there's a lot of different ways. Sometimes pulling that apart can be helpful for people as well Mm. um, to, to, to pull that apart, but some people can't, and that's a really hard journey and they need to, to, to walk away for a while. And I think God can handle that as well. Mm. So I don't know if that makes sense. Or if it you makes, have any it makes perfect sense. And, um, and thank you for saying that because I feel heard, I feel seen. And I hope every woman who is listening to this episode actually feels heard and seen. Because I also grew up with this mentality that you cannot question God, you cannot be angry. But I know that I went through a phase towards the end of me getting out where I couldn't even pray. Um, Mm. I went through a phase where I kept asking. So I would, on my Samsung notes, I still have those notes there, letters to God. And sometimes these questions, what am I still doing here? Why am I going through this? And, and I know that I keep using the word imperfect because I wouldn't want to come off like this perfect human being. But I know that I've always, right from when I began to seek God for myself in my early teens, I've been intentional about my walk with God. And so to have, I know sometimes we have this mindset too, that if we did everything right, everything is supposed to go smoothly, but sometimes it doesn't. And so thank you for saying that God can handle our anger and our questions. And and sometimes it might also mean we take a break, but it doesn't mean that um, if our faith is important to us, we keep coming back to it. Because from my own experience, all through the times where I was struggling with my concept of God and how he allows certain things, you know, people use scriptures like God won't give you things that are too big for you to handle. And sometimes I'm like, God, this is way too big for me to handle. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had those moments of wrestling. And so it's it's good to to actually hear you say it. It looked like you were trying to say something just now. Um, I I think I was just agreeing with you overall, for sure. Yeah. And you said something earlier too, that I think is so important when you were talking about feeling like you weren't being good enough or that you weren't, um, you know, and I just want to 
I, I'm sure you will say this over and over and over again in your episodes, but I just would love any women struggling with this just to hear you do not deserve this no matter what you do not deserve to be in an abusive relationship. And that's, again, abusers are really good at making their um, victims think they are the problem, but God's love is not conditional. Mm. Um, and so anyone who is teaching you a conditional love is not of God. Good. And so to every woman who is listening, God loves you regardless. If you were the one yes. who had to take the step to walk away, if you were discarded, because eventually I separated with the intention that he was going to seek help if he felt he was losing me, but instead he discarded me, um, divorced mm -hmm. me, took me to court. And I didn't even know I was in court until less than 48 hours to the final hearing. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's a whole lot of mess that eventually some of the stories will keep filtering out through my episodes, but um, I'm just so thankful that you took the time out of your busy schedule to come out and speak to these women and empower them and encourage them to know that they're not alone and that God is able to handle whatever questions they have, whatever they're struggling with. And it's not God's intention to have your faith or even his words thrown at people to keep them in bondage. Um, and you're doing amazing work. So I want you to talk to my listeners. How can they reach you? How can they get access to what you do? How can they get help from you? What are the things you do and how can they connect? I would have all of those information in the show notes, but I still want you to say it out to them so they would find ways to reach out to you. Yeah. Oh, Paulina, this has been such a life-giving conversation in so many ways. I'm just, I'm so happy with the work you're doing. These conversations are so important. So thank you for letting me come and chat with you and hear a little bit more about your story. And um, it's just been a privilege to be here. So thank you for that. Thank you. And I would love to connect with anyone. Um, so I do have conversations like this with my pastor um, on on the topic of this, but also many other ways religion is used in harmful ways on our podcast. It's called Sacred Intersections, and it's um, available on most podcast platforms. And we actually have been on hiatus for a little while, but you can find lots of our old episodes. And we've just we've just recorded a new one on deconstruction overall. So we've got some new episodes coming out. Um, I am a licensed counselor in North Carolina here in the United States. If you're listening um, and you happen to live in North Carolina. Um, I do have a very small private practice. It's called the Center for Healing Religious Harm. Um, I also do consultation work through that business. So um, for churches or religious systems or other just things, people who might need a little um, just someone to come in and talk to them and provide support or an assessment of, of systems, those kind of things. Um, I teach at a small university in North Carolina called Lenore Ryan. So if anyone's interested in being a counselor and wants to come to our program, I'd be happy to talk to you about that process as well. So those are all the, the big professional things to be aware of. So thanks for letting me share those as well. That's fantastic. Um, any final words to listeners? You know, I, I just... You summed it up so well, and I just would echo the the idea that God's love is unconditional, and so don't let don't let people put conditions on that. Um, and we titled this, you know, when faith gets weaponized. So understand that people 
take scripture and try to use it as a weapon or take your faith and try to use it as a weapon and to um, know that, that that's not okay when people do that. So thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you so much, Paula. Like, oh my goodness, I have no words, but I just pray that God blesses your ministry and the work you do and that every woman that needs to con connect with what you're doing will flood your way. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Um, that will be the end of this episode. And I hope that you will stick around for the next episodes were bringing more things your way. And I'm hoping to be able to bring Dr. Paula here again and again and again to share more light on all of these things. All right. Have a good day and bye. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. We hope that the conversations and insights shared have been valuable to you. However, we want to emphasize that the information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It's not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, and legal advice. We understand that navigating divorce and healing from abuse can be challenging, and we're here to support you on your journey. We want you to know that you're seen, heard, and loved. Be sure to subscribe as new episodes of Rising from the Ruins will be released every Wednesday morning. So mark your calendars and join us for more empowering discussions and practical tips. Also, if you enjoyed the episodes, I'd love to ask you to leave review on Apple Podcasts. Remember, all the resources, references, and additional information covered in each episode can be found in the show notes. If you ever need further assistance or have specific questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're here to help you in any way we can. You're not alone on this path of healing and transformation. If no one has told you, let me be the one to say it. I hear you. I see you. And I validate your experience. Thank you again for being a part of our community. Take care and remember that your well-being matters. We look forward to connecting with you in our next episode. God bless you. Bye now.